In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. We will be so much better a husband, father, leader in our business, church, community, when we realize that God has something for us that we can learn only in the outdoors. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we, we salute, salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. And as you could hear with our perfectly synchronized voices, I'm here with my co-host and producer, Dale Culver. Hey, man, how's it going, and what's up in your life? Uh, I thought I was good friend. You usually say, and good friend. Oh, yeah. Well, you were a good friend, but you're not anymore. You fired me? Yep. Again. Well, yep. Life is good, man. Free agent. Well, good. Yeah, it's good to be unemployed. No worries, man. Hey, yeah, I'll uh, finish yeah, this really, podcast, yeah, though. And then you're done, man. So, hey, I'm really <laughs> excited about today's guest. He focuses on uh, a ministry that of adventure. And I think adventure is sorely uh, lacking in our culture. Our culture is soft and comfortable. And I, I think that comfort is actually antagonistic to Christianity. And so I'm excited to get this guy on. He backpacked the Jesus Trail in Israel mm. and wrote a book about it. And I'm really, really interested in this because Israel is one place I've never been. I would love to see that place before I die. And, and the, the tourist bus thing doesn't really appeal to me, but this whole backpacking is really, really appealing to me. So he backpacked the Jesus Trail and had some great experiences and met some great people, and I'm excited to get him on. But before we do that, do you have a man word today that's not adventure? Before that, I just want to just entice the guys again, do a review. Send us your reviews. We want to celebrate what God's doing in your life. So if you send us a when a man gets it, everyone wins story. Uh, that would be great, or a review of how uh, this podcast has impacted you. And yeah, we'll send yeah. you some swag out. So Yeah, we call them our Wamji stories. We yeah. get those all the time, and we post them on our weekly equipping blast that goes out to thousands of guys around the country, around the world. And if, if we use yours, we'll send you some swag, man. And and uh, if God's using this podcast or using one of our teams or using our forum to change your life, we want to hear about it and celebrate with you. And, man, when a man gets it. Everyone wins. So, hey, let's bring our guest on. But before I guess your vanilla word, <laughs> if you chose adventure or a synonym of adventure, I'm going to go crazy. Praise the Lord. All right. The word is rugged. Oh, man. Really? Okay. Okay. You got me. Yeah. Jack can appreciate that. Yeah, I think. he can really appreciate that. So why would you go with rugged? Well, 
it's kind of funny, and a part of the definition of rugged is broken and rocky ground, uneven. Oh. But then it's also uh, toughness, determination to handle rough situations. And so um, I think that a lot of us are kind of broken. We're uh, cracked. We're uneven. We're kind of a mess. But at the same time, we have a toughness and uh, need to have determination there's going to be tough things that come into your life, and and you're created for that. Like Brian Doyle says, we're created for uh, those tough things. And I, you know, I'm just thinking about a friend of mine who just took in three little children last night. He has a baby already in the home, and he's mm. got a pregnant wife that's 20 weeks along, and they're tired. And last night, you know, these new babies, yeah. uh, staying up all night, and I'm just watching this. Going through that, God has made you for these tough situations. Yeah, for sure. And hang in there, because if God calls you through it, he'll carry you through it. Well, you know, it's funny. I've got in my library, I've got several books, uh, and they're strictly about human adventure and adversity. And I'm almost done with a book called Endurance, and it's the Ernest Shackleton story. And I am just blown away with how tough... I love to read these books, because they remind me of how soft I am and how tough these guys were. They were, you know, sleep, you know, f- two years away from home, one pair of clothes, didn't shower, just the adversity these guys go over. It's un- unbelievable. And this ruggedness, you talk about being broken and cracked. These guys, um, the six who left Elephant Island to go get help at St. George, they traveled 800 miles in a 22-foot boat with two tons of ballast. They, they put rocks into the bottom of the boat as ballast in the open seas. And these guys slept on that stuff. They slept on the cracks and the rug. It just the, the strength of these men... Is so far beyond the strength of uh, men today. It's we really need to go back and, and do the hard thing. So that's why I'm excited to get this guy on. Uh, this is uh, we're going to introduce you right now, Jack Ward. Jack is 66 years old. Lives in Jenks, Oklahoma, which is a suburb of Tulsa, with his beautiful bride of 43 years, Brenda. So uh, Jack, 13 years ago, Jack founded Rugged Faith Ministries, and they use outdoor adventure to equip believers and reach those who are not believers, bring them back into the fold. And uh, they have weekend retreats called Rugged Faith Boot Camp that feature a blend of outdoor adventure and social, or I'm sorry, and sound biblical teaching. They do many, many other things and many, many other trips. At one point, I met Jack at the event, and he invited me to do a multi-hundred-mile quad ride, and I think it was on the Lewis and Clark Trail, Jack. Is that true? That's correct, Jim. We first met over in the St. Louis area and years I, ago. And, you know, I think a mutual, we have a mutual friend, and I think that mutual friend went on one of those adventures with you on the quad ride. His name is Chris Jackson. Is, oh, yeah, I love Chris with Iron Man down in Alabama. Yeah, so yeah, Chris, Chris is, yeah, Chris, Chris is, is yeah, he's one of our blog writers, and so he's on our blog writing team, and so uh, he said he did that trip, and I thought, I bet you're with Jack Ward, and so how cool, man. So Jack has authored uh, two books, Rugged Faith, and his second book, Adventure with a Purpose, which is our topic for today. But before we get started, Jack, why don't you tell our guests a little bit more about you, uh, give them a, a, your narrative. Okay. Thank you, Jim, for the opportunity to be with you. Thank yeah. you for what you're doing with this podcast. I enjoy listening. You've had some great speakers uh, on the past. Well, our ministry, I was a high school coach for about 20 years, and about 13 years ago, God called me into a full-time ministry. And, you know, growing up in the Ozarks, in the Ozark Mountains in Arkansas, in an area known as the Leatherwoods, it's uh, rugged, steep 
uh, mountains and valleys and and uh, God called me to outdoor ministry. It's just a natural fit for me. I love the outdoors and uh, seem like uh, our calling uh, determines our methods of ministry, our type of ministry, and I felt comfortable in outdoor adventure ministry. Uh, so we uh, created a board of directors, uh, created the name and the logo, and started the ministry about 13 years ago, and God has certainly blessed us as we focus on men, on issues important to men, and on issues that uh, impact men's lives. Well, I really appreciate that, and I appreciate what you're doing, Jack. And before we get into uh, our interview questions, I'm going to throw you into our rapid fire round. All right. Okay. So I'm going to make this one real simple because I have some questions about adventure I really want to ask you. I've chosen three words off of your website, and I want you to explain them to me and how they relate to your ministry. So I want these guys to understand who you guys are and what you do. And so you have an acrostic you use on your website, and it's very fitting. It's just simply GPS. So the first word I'm going to ask you about is the G, guide. What does that mean? Yeah, to guide men to a deeper understanding of Jesus Christ, to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, in the outdoors, uh, People need a guide. You go to a new and uh, dangerous, sometimes dangerous, risky places and requires a guide. And uh, we felt like that was an important part of uh, our ministry in the outdoors. And uh, certainly in our discipleship training, disciple is a follower of Christ and a follower needs a guide. So when you when you're guiding men, Jack, what is the most difficult thing to navigate them through? Is there a one thing that you see these guys really need help learning and, and uh, overcoming? Well, a lot of the guys that uh, go with us are uh, don't have a lot of experience on, in the backcountry and the wilderness, and I think it's just uh, building some confidence. So uh, starting off slow, encouraging, inspiring, building some confidence, and uh, get them comfortable with the setting so uh, we don't start out immediately climbing a 10,000-foot mountain or uh, uh, going 40 miles an hour on rugged trails on an ATV, but uh, you build some confidence uh, as we go along. And uh, a lot of these guys, you know, if they get out, if they get less than two bars on their cell phone, they panic. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we want to keep it comfortable. I, I appreciate the, the comment that these guys need confidence because we live in a world that's so technological. Um, I would imagine it's scary for a guy to get out there. You know, we do our death ruck every year and we had a guy last year, you know, I, I carry about 20 pounds of weight on this death ruck, but I had a guy show up with it well over 50 pounds and he packed his fears, uh. you know, and I think a lot of times we bring our fears along and a guide gives confidence, uh, regarding the scenario that you're living in. So I appreciate that. Yeah, that's a good point. So the next word is, so we have a guide. So the P stands for the word prepare. In this case, we were focused on leadership, uh, prepare men to be godly leaders in the home, in the church, in the community. And uh, so we, we, we focus our speaking messages, our trail thoughts, our faith lessons on uh, leadership skills. And also our activities require some 
leader for them to develop some leadership skills with the men that's with them. And uh, so that P is prepare. And uh, if you're going to prepare people, you have to be pretty much drilled and skilled in the use of God's word yourself. If you're going to guide and prepare men. Uh, so uh, we, t- we train our guys, myself and our leaders in that as well. Well, it's really interesting. So I'm preparing for this climb to summit cloud peak in August and I've got a friend training me, and yesterday, you know, the biggest thing with your feet is to get your feet in shape. So I did an eight-mile uh, climb yesterday, so I jumped from doing four-mile little little tiny little hikes to this eight-miler yesterday, and man, I, it's crazy how sore my feet are today. My body's not sore, it's my feet, and there's a preparation that goes to any great endeavor, right? Exactly, yep. Well, and you, you, I know that you're a fan of Lewis and Clark. You talk about them in your book, and you, you take guys on part of the Lewis and Clark trail. I, I just read Undaunted Courage about a year ago, and the preparation uh, that Meriwether Lewis put into this thing was unbelievable because really the, the onus of it rested on his shoulders, right? He picked up Clark along the way, and they were partners, but Meriwether Lewis working with Thomas Jefferson, put it all together. It's just unbelievable the amounts of preparation that these guys go through to make uh, an adventure a success. It really was amazing. Yeah, and so so yeah, I thought that book was funny. Not funny, but interesting that all the guys that died actually didn't. They had lost one guy on the trip. He died of uh, appendicitis, I think. And, I think and that's the, right. all the other guys died years later of venereal diseases <laughs> from their, their adventures with the uh, natives. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Kind of interesting. So anyway, hey, the third word is S, support. Yeah, support the local church. Uh, We're we're not a church. We're a parachurch ministry. And our customer, if you will, be is the pastor and the local church. So uh, we're there to support their efforts to equip, uh, disciple, uh, encourage, and teach, train men. And uh, so we do that by help facilitating uh, events, doing seminars at local church, doing men's rallies, uh, uh, being part of Iron Sharpens Iron that uh, supports the church. Uh, so yes, supporting the church is, is our goal. So I'm a, we're a parachurch organization as well. What need did you see within the church that wasn't being met for men that you decided to meet? Was there? Did you look at the local church and say, man, I love the local church, but I can help her in this area. What was it? Yeah, I think that's that's right, Jim. I was uh, serving as on a committee at our church, and our pastor asked me to take on the leadership of the men's ministry in our church. He felt that was a big need. And uh, uh, after we did a, an event or two in our church, I just began to see that uh, in other churches that men are sometimes uh, soft and caught up in the technology part of the culture and the rapid pace of the culture. And there was kind of a ADD, a adventure deficit disorder, if you will, <laughs> be out there. <laughs> out there. Uh, so we began to uh, develop active outdoor activities to get uh, men and young men, especially young men need large doses of the outdoors, I think, in order to grow and uh, gives them opportunities to grow and, leadership, um, growing courage. I think you can cultivate courage in young men in the outdoors. So yeah, that, that's a pretty common problem we saw in the outdoors since then, since those past 13 years, been several outdoor adventure ministries have developed across the country. We certainly weren't the first, but uh, we were early, I think, in the 
in the use of outdoor adventure as a discipleship tool. So when you say the word soft, I use that word often as well. When you use that word soft, what do you define as soft? What does soft look like in a man? Yeah, and I'm not saying physically soft because a lot of those guys are animals as far as fitness, you know, and uh, uh, but a lot of them are just, uh, I think it's, I don't know if it's an insecurity or a lack of knowledge about what's available to them or if they've never been exposed to it in their childhood, I think. And uh, so that's, that's kind of what I meant by it. Maybe it's just a lack of exposure to outdoor things. Or a lack, uh, I know even in my own son, who's 32, he, he's still a tendency to, to uh, not take as much risk. He's a little bit cautious more maybe than, than people your age and my age who are older than you. Uh, it seemed like they were less, less inclined to take risk on, uh, on things. Now, would you say that, so you're talking about the mental component of softness. Would you say that translates over to physically soft? Uh, I'd say at least 50% of the people that we we do, I'd say, yes, it's physically soft. Yeah. They're out of shape, overweight. Uh, they're not competent in their physical ability. Uh, they don't have a stamina and endurance. And as a result, I think it affects them in other parts of their life. Yes. Yeah, it would have to, right? I mean, I find for me the older I get, the more the physical aspect of my life is so, so important. Yes. And so really interesting. So, so you got, you said you do outdoor activities and I'm really intrigued by this. I went on your website. I looked at all of the outdoor activities. So in the, in the calendar year, Jack, why don't you give us uh, the activities for 2020? Cause you have some really cool things coming up. We do. We do. The heart of our ministry is our weekend retreats that you mentioned is called uh, Rugged Faith Boot Camp. We'll do about 12 camps a year. These are weekend retreats at our ranch in uh, southwest Missouri. It's just right on the border of Arkansas and southwest Missouri. 1,200 acres with uh, uh, cabins, lakes, conference center, ATV trails, uh, skeet shooting range. So we'll do about 12 of those every year starting in February through about the first of uh, end of October, February through October. And probably our largest camp is our father-son event in June, June 19th and 20th this year. And uh, it's a, like you said, it's a blend of outdoor adventure activities and then Bible teaching uh, in there. We have, we invite guest speakers. We have a team of guys on our rugged faith uh, board of directors uh, who speak at the camps Many times the local pastor will come with his church, will speak and uh, host the sessions. But uh, so those 12 camps starting in February and going through October and then in July and August, well, this year we have six sessions of the Lewis and Clark ATV uh, uh, tour in Idaho. It follows the Lewis and Clark Trail across the Bitterroot Mountains in uh, Idaho and then every two years in November, we host the trip to Israel. We don't do that annually, but we do it every two years in November because that's the best time of the year weather-wise in Israel. And this past uh, year, this past November, we had 23 guys that, that did that event. And that's pretty and cheap. The, it is. It's really it's uh, $1,600 yeah. for the 12-day trip when you pay your own flight covers your lodging and most of your meals and the, the guided tour through, uh, through the Holy Land. And then when you do the 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 uh, Bitterroot Mountains, is that the Lewis and Clark on the Lewis and Clark Trail? Now help me out. I'm using my memory here, but I want to say Lolo Pass. Am I close? That's right. Yep, that's the pretty close to the trailhead, and uh, right on the 
Montana Idaho border just past the uh, low low pass. Uh, so we we uh, our staging area is at the Lewis and Clark State Park. It's called Traveler's Rest, where Lewis and Clark camped in 1804 before they crossed the Bitterroot Mountains. Hey, I'll tell you so what, that might have been area. that was the most difficult part of their trip. I think they were pretty. They were in a pretty bad spot. They were in real rugged terrain. Couldn't find food, and it got a little hairy in there. It really did, and this uh, trail follows that. And there's many historical markers along this trail. It's an old Forest Service road and some narrow ATV trails that goes for oh probably 120 miles across the Bitterroots in Idaho. And, and how much is little, how much is that trip, Jack? That, tra- that trip is $650. That uh, we we furnish the ATVs. We have uh, seven Honda Rubicon ATVs, and then uh, you show up and bring your camping gear, you know, a, a tent, sleeping bag, villa, that kind of thing. And uh, we'll ride for three and a half days where there's two nights of uh, primitive camping along the trail. We even stage in, we even spend one night in one of the old uh, Forest Service towers that we built back in the 50s. These old wooden fire towers are open to camping and sometimes we can uh, sleep there at the old fire tower. So it, it's a fantastic trip, beautiful country, very remote. And if you love ATVing and you love the Lewis and the history of the Lewis and Clark Trail, it combines those two, and just for an outstanding experience. We've had we'll have probably about twenty five guys this year who'll take advantage of that. That sounds so fun. I'm sure you can bring a fly rod around and find a place to use it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, so the Jesus Trail. I I'd never heard of the Jesus Trail till I read your book. And can you explain to me? Uh, beyond the obvious, right? But explain what is the Jesus Trail? How long is it? Explain this to me. I'd never heard of this before. Yeah, 2012 was my uh, uh, introduction to this. I went with a group from folks on the family. There was uh, six of us, five of us, I guess, that went on the Jesus Trail. We started in uh, Nazareth. And uh, it said uh, in Matthew, it says, leaving Nazareth, he went to Galilee. And there's uh, developed a hiking trail 42 miles goes from Nazareth through Cana over to Capernaum on the uh, Sea of Galilee. And it, it's a uh, up and down, rugged, dusty kind of trail. And uh, we hike it in about three and a half days. We split it up into short days, you know, maybe five hours of hiking. And uh, so we'll hike for about 10 miles, some days 12 miles, and then stop in camp. Or we'll have, a if it's a large group, we'll have a, shuttle pick us up and take us back to our base camp and then bring us back to the the next day's starting point so it's fantastic trip you get to walk in the footsteps of jesus it's a lot of it's the old roman road that was built back in that those days and you go through some historical places and the the bible really comes alive it goes places jim where the tour buses don't go yeah and to me that is really intriguing and so well hey when i opened up your book page one of your book said this Quote, I have found that both faith and adventure require perseverance, which can be defined as steadfastness in doing something despite the difficulty in achieving the goal. The greatest predictor of success for an adventure is your tolerance for adversity. And I thought that was a very powerful phrase. I'm finishing uh, a book called Endurance, uh, dealing with Ernest Shackleton's two-year adventure on the Antarctic. And um, when I read that book, I realize how soft I am. How, how does a man build his tolerance for adversity? 
I think that's a tough question. I think the, uh, the physical training that leads up to any event is important. And we developed uh, a couple of guys in Dallas who are part of our board on this ATV or on this uh, Lewis and Clark trail have developed a physical regimen that we start, you know, a week, several weeks before we go. So you do have to get your feet in shape, like you said first, because blisters are, are a killer along the trail and build some endurance. Uh, but to overcome adversity, you just got to take part in it. You just got to get out there and, and, and get, am get among them, as they say in Arkansas. And uh, if, if after you hike uh, 10 miles and uh, the other guys encouraging, you know, you can, it's like courage or any other uh, uh, of these elements of adventure. It can be developed uh, through uh, just time and use. Well, you said to overcome adversity, you have to get involved in it. Well, the problem with that is it hurts. And, you know, I've, I've been training a, a, this new type of training for this thing I'm doing in the summer, and I had to confront this issue in myself. I've worked out three to four days a week since I was 14, you know, 12 years old. I mean, I've always worked out, always been a pretty healthy guy. But what I'm learning is the older I get, the harder things become, and I have to battle the bat biggest battle is not my legs or my feet or my lungs. It's between the ears. And I've had to address the issue of fear in, in adversity and saying, I don't want to do this. This is going to hurt. Can I finish this? What are the consequences? How does a man overcome fear to become tolerant to adversity? You're right. Fear and pain, those things, we just got to confront those. And those are, a, are a kind of a mental battle, aren't they? Yeah. As, more than a, more than a physical. I think a lot of it is uh, being prepared in God's word, being prayed up, being spiritually fit, if you will be, uh, if, if you will. If you know that you're doing this, uh, not only to benefit yourself, but to benefit those guys who are with you, to uh, uh, make it part of your uh, spiritual training as well as your physical training, it helps overcome fear. You know, when fear uh, overcomes hope, then along comes Jesus. So there's lots yeah. of prayer involved in, in times of uh, fear and pain. I think prayer is involved. Well, you so you're dealing a lot with physical adversity, but your end game, your why, is spiritual growth. What crossover have you discovered between physical adversity and spiritual maturity? Yeah, the theme of our ministry has always been adventure with a purpose. So it's more than just a, a cool vacation, a cool adventure activity, but the overall purpose is to uh, that GPS, to guide men to, to deeper understanding, to prepare them and to support the local church. Uh, so uh, now your question was to what crossover? What would I yeah, see? That the crossover between the physical adversity and spiritual maturity. You know, in, in discipleship, we look at four Ds. Uh, it's our duty. Uh, so I, as men, I think it's important that we maintain physical endurance. We look, it's part of our duty. And in discipleship uh, is the uh, God's great commission, the great commandment in, is to go and make disciples. Then the duty, the devil, the days in which we live, and the drift that we see in men, those are the four uh, D's of why we must disciple men and why we must be in, we must be involved in the culture, must be involved in it, even though it hurts and, and it's fearful and painful at times. 
think God will give us the determination, the willpower, uh, the skill. Someone said that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those that he calls. So uh, Agreed. We, want to be, we want to be involved in ministry and God will certainly help us overcome those, those adversity and ho- hopefully help us uh, to help other men overcome adversity. No, that's really good, Jack. I appreciate it. You said in your book, you said, quote, I think it all goes back to creation. God created men with an adventurous spirit and a deep yearning to explore, to strike out, and to see what's over the next hill. Now, one of your D's is drift. Do you find that men who don't pursue regular adventure, now when I be regular, I'm thinking once a year, you know, or, or build it into life. When these men don't pursue adventure, do you see a drift occurring? Well, I'm not sure I would completely uh, blame it on or it on the lack of adventure, but at least ah. a lack of lack of discipline for sure. We see drift, and nobody drifts closer to God, do they, Jim? We drift away from God. I remember we were camped at uh, Lake North Fork, a beautiful lake in the Ozarks, Arkansas, back a few years ago. My buddy had his boat tied up to the rocks there, and next morning we woke up, the boat was gone. It had come loose from just the uh, lapping of the waves there, it untied the boat and it drifted out into the lake. And it's the same with men. If we're not anchored in God's word, we tend to drift away. And and uh, we see it uh, all the time. I see it in two areas. I see drift, especially men will drift toward passivity. You know, they kind of oh, yeah. drift out into that quiet cove of passivity and don't want to do anything. Or they'll drift into the whitewater, kind of the rapids of performance. You know, they want to be involved in everything and they lose focus and distracted by the culture of making money. And uh, so performance and passivity is where we see, see drift in men. And uh, I think adventure helps. It, it, it refocuses their mind. It's times of solitude are powerful. And, uh, but I wouldn't completely blame the drift on lack of uh, adventure, but it's certainly an element in maintaining uh, focus and uh, anchoring in God's word. Well, that's interesting that you said that. I'm pondering this. So I it makes sense that men drift into passivity. By the way, you said no one ever drifts closer to God. I would also add that no one ever drifts upstream. Right? Oh, good. So good. so so they drift into passivity, which that makes sense. I'm 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 soft, I'm passive, I'm I'm apathetic, I'm not engaged. But then you said they drift into performance, and I never thought of it that way. To me, I see performance as going up the current, but really performance, especially when it comes to our work, really is a default of men. They default, their identity defaults to performance. So even though performance looks difficult, it really is the easiest thing in the world, right? That's a great point. I think we drift that direction more maybe than we do into passivity, especially men who love the outdoors. They want to be doing things. They want to be in action. So they'll drift into, they'll take on more than they uh, bite off more they can chew, as, they, as we would say, and drift into performance and uh, trying to find their identity and performance and what they do and how much money they make. Man, that's really rich and that's really good, man. Hey, we're going to take a short break. We're at our halfway point already and come back here in just a second after we hear from our sponsor. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with the mission to inspire men towards becoming their best version and changing their world. Every man in the arena matters. Our Men in the Arena closed Facebook forum for men is a great way to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group 
today. Because of the passion to see men get out of the bleachers and into the arena, Jim wants to offer some powerful resources to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of the field guide. It's Jim's 365-day bathroom book for men. It's the study of manly words in the Bible, illustrated with great stories. This is also a great resource for all our arena men. We'll also add you to our weekly equipping blast, including Jim's personal blog, prayer requests, and weekly boots-on-the-ground mission. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those anonymous voices in the bleachers pleading for you to enter the fight? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So you you said just now that men love the outdoors. And in your book, you talk about man, uh, you know, being created by God and wired for adventure. You know, I, and you, you quoted in your book, uh, John Eldridge, and I love to quote Eldridge, and he talked about man, right. that man, God made man in the wilderness and put him in the garden, and he made Eve in the garden and then ended up putting her in the wilderness, right? And so, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like God made us in the wilderness and put us in the garden, and, and Eldridge would say, and I would agree, that we try to, we've been getting trying to go back to the wilderness ever since. And so on page two, you said... I think it all goes back to creation that God created men with an adventurous spirit with a deep yearning to explore, to strike out, and to see what's over the next hill. So would you say that is part of man's, when I say man, I'm saying the gender of men. Men is a gender. Would you say that's part of our inherent uh, God-created, God-ordained makeup? I really would, Jim. I think men are created to be hunters, providers, protectors, and uh, I just think that's the way God wired us. And and so that you would say is that, and that's probably why men crave adventure. I believe so. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a natural to see what's around the next corner, what's around the next bend, and just to explore and uh, seek out, strike out. In my life, it has been. I love even a good road trip. I like to see what's over the next hill. You know. Well, no, I I agree with you 100. That's why I love your organization because I I know for me personally. When I, every year I plan one big deer hunt or one big adventure, uh, at, at least one. And if I, if I go with the wrong people or if I don't experience the right adventure, I come back and my wife will basically send me back out again. Go back out and figure this out, but don't come back until you're fixed. There's something about adventure. For me, it's a wilderness adventure. There's something about the wilderness. There's something about the adventure. There's something about being stripped down. That, that brings a man to life. Can you explain that a little bit deeper? I don't know that I can explain it, other than, like you said, that uh, elders pointed out that we're just wired that way, and that men, uh, men uh, love the outdoors. Most men love the outdoors, and uh, it, uh, it's something that we crave, and, there's a, and when we have a deficit of it, it seem to me like we're fully uh, satisfied. Well, and you said this in your book. You said, I'm going to quote you, adventure can involve, can involve risk. It's part of the experience men crave. Risk teaches us, helps form our character, and it's one of the benefits of adventure. And you went on to say, adventure is not productive in the normal sense of the word, but its benefits are plentiful. And And that's what I hear you saying right now. It's like, it's almost it's almost a need of a man. Would you go as far as saying adventure is a need? Well, for me, it certainly is. And I know it is for you. And uh, I, I really think that men uh, need 
a certain amount of risk in their life. Young men especially need to be exposed to a little bit of risk. We need to cultivate courage in those men. We, uh, we need to build build them up and uh, so that'll build their confidence and, and uh, self-esteem and put them in, put them, putting them in elements of risk can do that. You know, a guy on a four-wheeler going along a narrow trail on the side of a mountain who's uh, used to working in an office in New York City or L.A. or Seattle, it's just a different uh, animal for him, and he grows from that element of risk that he wouldn't get in the modern culture. Well, it's funny. My son Darby, my middle son Darby, and I backpacked. Uh, we climbed six miles into a wilderness in Oregon. He was overcoming the flu, it started snowing on us. By the time we got in, we're, we're on a foot of snow. Uh, he's, we're, we're hypothermic. It's kind of getting dangerous, and we, we're sleeping uh, in a spot we thought was fairly safe. And I remember he said, Dad, tell me your hunting stories. So I started telling him the stories, and he goes, do you have any fun ones? Those are miserable. And I said, well, this, I mean, that's part of the problem, part of what I love. And he said, well, Dad, is it a problem right now that I'm not thinking about killing a deer? I'm just thinking about surviving? And I said, well, in a week from now, we've got a great story. <laughs> but isn't that part of it, right? Isn't that part of the joy? Because you, well, you talk about in your book that these adventures need to be shared. Why, why do you say that? Oh, yeah. If you go by yourself, and uh, I'm pretty much an introvert, and I, I like being alone at times, but uh, you, you must share your adventures. Otherwise, you know, it's like a a tree that falls in the woods, does it, does it really make a noise? Somebody's got to be there to experience that with you. And like you said, the people you go with are so important. I remember the first trip to Israel we did with uh, guys from Focus on the Family and friends from uh, Dallas area. Uh, we just had such a, a, a wonderful time and just uh, bonded so much. We still communicate. And we still go on trips together to Israel every two years. And it's just such an important part of adventure is to that uh, bonding experience with the people you go with. You make lifetime friends, lifelong friends, uh, because you experience those elements of risk and danger that you can only get on an adventure trip. Well, and the negative of that as well is I've I've experienced guys, and I say I'm never doing that with them again. So really, adventure really brings out the... What I have found is adventure brings out the true character of a man and I have also found, and this isn't this isn't completely accurate, but I found that there's always one guy that's a problem. <laughs> you know, there seems yeah. to be one guy that's, and I'm not talking about a physical problem. I'm talking about a guy that's a morale problem. And even on <laughs> uh, even with uh, Shackleton and his uh, book Endurance, his tent he put the his tent was filled with all the guys he thought would be a problem. And then when uh -huh. he left to go the 850 miles for help. Two of the guys he took with him were guys he was afraid would cause a problem with the remaining 23. Oh. And I thought, what an interesting aspect of leadership that he pulled the potential problem guys under his leadership cares because he realized leadership care because he realized how important it was to keep these problems or these problem people curtailed because they can be a, a they can be a gangrene to the rest of the group. Good. So, hey, on, on page 43 of your book, you said something, uh, in my opinion, this was the most powerful reason why men need adventure. On page 43, you, cite, you, cite, you cited this, quote, men who don't have healthy ways to experience risk and challenges tend to find harmful ways. Many men shrivel up inside when they're not regularly involved in some form of adventure. Then you said this, serious problems follow bored 
men. So why is boredom, why does the lack of adventure cause a man, I love this picture, why does it cause a man to shrivel up? He it becomes it less a, of a capacity than he normally is used to. Oh, that's yeah. I've forgotten about that shriveled up picture. That is a good word picture. I think it's a tool of Satan that uh, he uses. Uh, boredom is a tool of Satan. Hmm. He uses to distract us, to discourage us, to uh, cause his depression in the world. And uh, it is almost like a, a dried uh, fruit out in the sun. That's not getting any water, you know. Man's spirit, man's uh, encouragement. I don't know how to uh, say it, but it's just a a way that people don't uh, reach their potential when they are not involved in some kind of adventure activity, especially with uh, other guys. Uh, That's what I see in our ministry, Jim. Well, when that shriveled up. It reminds me of an old Seinfeld episode, which I won't go into. But but that shriveled up that fruit, it's smaller. It's less capacity. Yeah. And so a man who lacks adventure really is not able to offer the world the full weight of who he is. Mm-hmm. And so but but it seems like we talked about this earlier, Jack, that guys will default, right? You said they'll drift into passivity or they'll drift in performance. Let's talk about the guy that's drifted in performance. And he's listening to this podcast, and he's saying, I don't have the time for this. This is mundane. This is immature. Why would I go spend you know, $650, $650 or $1,600 on an adventure when I have all this work to do? So what would you say to that guy? Yeah, I think it's going to be money well spent more. It'll, it'll, it'll benefit him, his family, his church even his business, if he will devote that time, that money, that investment into adventure, I think it'll pay off in the long time or in the long run. I really do. You'll see it in uh, not only better health, uh, mental health and, and physical health. He'll develop some great uh, relationships with people that he'll stay in contact with the rest of the rest of his life. And I think it just benefit him in every category of his life, Jim, if he will take that opportunity, take that time, and uh, get away from the hustle and bustle of performance and uh, just focus on God's creation. God can speak to men in the great outdoors. Well, I hope you know by now, man, I am 100% on board, and I believe everything you're saying. I'm a huge fan of adventure. I think that men, uh, one of the things that men bring to this world as a gift that I think maybe I think the women don't bring as well. I think men, women are great at multitasking. They're great at looking down and seeing what's right in front of them. But I think for men, this leadership gift that God has given men, men are able to see the big picture. They're able to see down the road. And I, I look at my interactions, my wife and I, she is the master of keeping the world around us in order. But But I am the master at seeing the big picture. So I'll often say, honey, honey, come on now. Let's look at the big picture here. And she'll say, well, no, we got to do this right now. Yeah, I agree. You're right. So we work really well together. So believing that men are great at seeing the big picture and believing that men are great at playing long ball and seeing down the road, what happens, Jack, inside of a man when he surrenders this life of adventure to the mundane life of work and he becomes a 60 to 80-hour-a-week workaholic, which really is the greatest struggle I see with men in America. Men in America not males in America, men in America have an issue with overworking and they surrender adventure and they surrender these things that they enjoy 
for their work. Why does that happen? What what brings a guy to that place? I think part of it's just our culture, don't you, Jim? That we're I do. Just caught up in, yeah, in performance and the needs based, and what, I think part of it is we we get our identity from work and from uh, that type of success, and not our identity from in Christ as it should be, and uh, we will be so much better. A family member, a, a husband, so much better a father, leader in our business, leader in our church, community, uh, when we take the time and realize that uh, God has something for us that we can learn only in the outdoors, only in, only during a time of adventure. Yeah, that's so good, man. You, you had quoted somebody, you, you said in your book, someone once said, the currency of life isn't dollars, which I agree. And you can't take dollars with you to heaven. But you said, you continued, it's in time and experience. And then you continued and you said this, I thought this was really fun. We should aim to fill our lives with adrenaline and with rich experiences. And I thought that was really interesting. You threw adrenaline in there. So why, why, why does adrenaline uh, collaborate with a rich experience? And why do the two of those work together to form an adventure? That's tough. That's almost a physiological kind of thing that I might not be able to answer. But uh, we talked about risk and danger, certain elements of risk and danger. And I believe purpose, uh, finding purpose also comes in into this. When you accomplish something, when you compete, uh, when you accomplish something or complete a adventure, I think uh, you benefit from it in so many different ways. Yeah, that's really good. And I, I just keep going back to what you're saying. When a man schedules an adventure, it makes him a better man, a better husband, a better father, and it helps him to focus. Now, you in your book, you talk about Abraham, Moses, John the Baptist, many of today's leaders. In fact, at one point, I think you quoted, I can't remember, something like a hundred different scriptures that point to men being changed in the wilderness. And you said this, the outdoors is a tool God uses to draw men to himself. Yes. What do you see scripturally? Uh, what, what truth do you see in the Bible with between wilderness and guys growing spiritually and growing closer as as followers of Jesus and to be bigger men? Yeah, I love this the story from uh, In the Dust of the Rabbi. is a good book that I've, I've read a lot and quoted a lot. It talks about the disciples they followed so close to Jesus that the dust from his sandals settled on them. They were influenced. They were saturated by his teaching, almost like the dust that settles on them. And I think that's the way we need to be. And in the outdoors, uh, we can experience that like we can in no other place. And like you said, there's so many great examples in the Bible. Jesus taught mostly in the outdoors. You know, he wasn't in, a, in the synagogue nearly as much as he was on the dusty trails of, uh, around Galilee uh, for his 33 years. And uh, we see that all, all throughout the Bible. You know, you talk about the, the dust of the rabbi and the, the disciples and these men rallying around Jesus. It seems what I have seen, at least in my own life, that I rally around relationships with other men that have a cause or a purpose behind them. Right. So I, I, where my wife will have friends just for the sake of having friends because she's relationally driven, men are right. missional, men are purpose driven. And so men need a cause to rally behind. And page 98 of your book, you said, quote, adventure brings 
people together, the shared struggles, and the satisfaction of completing the journey creates a lifetime of impactful memories. What, what, what Will you speak for a minute on purpose and mission and how God uses those to bring men together? Yeah, adventure with a purpose, I said, is our theme. Yes. And men, like, like you said, men need a challenge. They need a certain level of risk. They need a mission in their life. And the outdoor adventure brings that about, for sure, gives us opportunities for that, for sure. I've got a good friend, Jerry Maxey in Rogers, Arkansas, tells a story of when he was, his kids were teenagers, maybe 12, 14 years old. They hiked into an area along the Buffalo River called Hemden Hollow. And it's about a two and a half mile hike down a ravine to a water, beautiful waterfall. Then you got to turn around and come out of there. And <laughs> that two and a half miles coming out of Hemden Hollow along the Buffalo River. He said, you never heard the amount of whining and crying and dad, we're never going to make it. We're going to die down here. We're never going to get out of here. But overcoming that diversity, that challenge, uh, that level of risk, completing that mission. He said, now when they're, as they're grown adult, they're adults with families and children and all the problems that come with that. When they bring, uh, bring up a problem with marriage or work or school for their kids or something, he says, he reminds them, well, it can't be as tough as him, Den Hollow. He always reminds them <laughs> that we accomplished we accomplish that physical mission, that challenge, that uh, purpose. And um, men really need a purpose in their life. We hear all the time of when guys retire early, you know, from their work and they have no mission, uh, no purpose in life. They die young and, uh, God never meant for us to retire, don't think, Jim. He meant, uh, you know, in, in Job, in the last chapter of Job, he says that Job uh, did more in the second half of his life than he did the first half of his life. So after all that diversity, God blessed Job more of the, the second half of his life. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think that retirement is a dangerous, slippery slope for men. And even if you quit working a career, don't retire. Because yep. if you have breath in you, God has a purpose for you. And so what about these guys that, and I, I have a, a guy I really, really care about, and he does he, he tends to go on his missions and adventures. And he does a lot of adventures, but he's always alone. What's the danger in these guys that like to do these alone ventures? Well, I'm ten, I kind of tend that way myself. Like I said, I'm an introvert, and I like being alone, in, even in the wilderness at times. But God created us for community, I think, mm -hmm. and he wants us to be involved with other people and uh, experience the, the uh, I don't know, we, uh, just the camaraderie that, that develops in a, a time in the wilderness. And I believe God wants us to be involved in, in community. And I see that more in the Bible, and I realize that uh, the, the times that I've been mistaken by doing things by myself, but I can understand that in, in certain guys enjoy that. I think they're missing the uh, fullness, the richness of the adventure when they do that. Well, and I think there's really a hybrid to it all, right? You know, you go on a hunting trip, you backpack into the wilderness with a buddy, and then you guys split up and come back. You know, I remember in New Mexico, my cousin and I backpacked in, and I uh, we split up. I shot my biggest buck of my life, and I thank God that he was there to haul that thing out because it was in a bad spot. And so the shared experience, and I, and I also... Speak to this, Jack. It seems to me when I'm going back in my brain, I'm thinking of a Wyoming trip where we had uh, horse problems from hell. I'm thinking about my son <laughs> up in the wilderness where we had to walk out because we were freezing. I, I go back to these adventures, and all of them resolve, revolved around 
pain and suffering were my adventures of killing the biggest elk of my life two different times, two giant elk. They were easy hunts. They were a buddy who guided me. And the antlers were memorable, but that's about it. And so speak to the, the, the issue of adversity in building a memory. Oh, that's the, that's the key, I think, of adventures, building memories. Uh, a great example we had last year uh, with our ATV trip. There were seven of us along the low, low trail out in 50 miles from nowhere out in the wilderness of Idaho. And one of our machines quit. It just We could not get it started. It wouldn't run. We couldn't figure out what the problem was. We prayed about it. We, we sat there for probably 30 minutes. Mike Young with Noble Warriors in Virginia. Oh, he's Mike a friend of mine. Yeah. yeah. Mike was with us. He and his son. And uh, we still laugh about this today. But uh, as we were just studying about it, praying about it, here comes an old beat-up rusty Jeep up the trail. These two guys pull up. And, and I said, you guys know anything about four-wheelers? And he said, well, uh, of course. I'm an ATV repairman in Napa, Idaho. Oh, gosh. <laughs> And he was a Honda repairman. So he jumps out of the old truck and says, here, hold my beer. And he gets out <laughs> and fixes <laughs> fixes the four-wheeler and gets it going. And uh, we just uh, praise God about the, that adventure, about that memory. And Mike says he and his son, Tim, still laugh about that today. Those uh, Honda, not, a, not a Polaris repairman, but a Honda repairman that we needed out in the middle of nowhere shows up uh, to repair our four-wheeler. <laughs> That so, is too uh, funny. Great, great memories uh, built in the in the outdoors. Gotta love Nampa, Idaho, the home of yep. Northwest Nazarene University. All right. <laughs> hey, on page fifty three of your book, you said this, and this is really disturbing to me personally. And so, help me navigate these uh, disturbing waters. In a recent study, forty two percent of Americans can't remember the last time they had an adventure. And then you went on to say on page 77, uh, so several pages later, adventure is everywhere waiting to be discovered and experienced. And I agree with you, Jack. I think adventure is everywhere. Why is it that 42% of Americans can't even remember the last time they've they experienced adventure? What is the biggest obstacle? Yeah, I think they're just so busy and distracted and Colonel uh, Wes Rehorn in Tulsa, who's a Green Beret, who was one of the one first 100 guys to go into Bora Bora after uh, 9-11. He tells the story. You know, he can uh, escape in a book, you know, in a good book, in a good novel, in a good book. He can escape and do an adventure from his couch or from yeah. the airplane. It doesn't have to be like uh, some of the adventures in Wyoming that you do or some of the Israel trips that we do. Adventure can be as close as your backyard with your kids, you know. Yeah. So uh, I don't understand it. They just see the. I think they're just so busy, Jim, that they don't see the the benefit of it. Well, it's being busy is problematic. It really is. I mean, one of the things I, I get really troubled by is when people say to me, "Man, I know you're busy," and man, I, <laughs> I just have to say, no, don't say that. I have a full life, but I just am disturbed. I think busyness is a sin. And I think that men who are busy, their lives are out of control. And yes, my life gets busy, and I have to repent of that. And so when you say that men are so busy they can't experience adventure, and 42% of them can't remember the last time they did, that's disturbing when I think of page 94 in your book where you say men are starved for adventure. Men are hungry for healthy relationships with a small group of men they can experience adventure with. So if men are starved for adventure, which I agree with you, Jack, I agree 100%. I believe yep. men are a star for adventure. And if that is really true, 
and only 40 and 42% don't experience adventure. What is ha- let's say these are Christian guys. So these are Christian guys, 42% of Christian guys who are starved for adventure are not experiencing adventure. What are the long-term problems with that? Yeah, that could be a multitude of problems. With oh, that baby. Health-wise, uh, mental health, uh, family problems, church problems. I, I like what uh, David Morrow, our friend from Alaska, says. Yeah. He, he points out the use of uh, object lessons and outdoor stories uh, from the pulpit. That uh, He puts part of it on our our pastors to encourage men to get involved in outdoor ministry. And he uses object lessons and outdoor stories. He encourages pastors to use those to uh, show the benefit to men and video clips and that kind of thing. Men are visual uh, as you, as you pointed out and that they like an object lesson, they like a story and they'll retain that for a long time. uh, Whereas they may not remember the pastor's sermon from week one week to the next. Well, and and I'm going back to another, you know, two analogies that you used already in this podcast. One is the shrivel up, and one is the drift. Mm-hmm. If a man is starving for adventure, but they don't experience it, they are going to shrivel up and they are going to drift. What are the things that? What are some of the things you see them? I, I know that you say passivity and performance, and I agree a hundred percent. But what are some sins that we see guys struggling with as they drift aimlessly? I think anger is the biggest one. Ang- uh, anger and uh, just uh, dissatisfaction or unfulfillment in their life. Maybe there's always seem to be something missing, Jim. They're always they talk a, a game about doing this, or they get their adventure drill from a, a Sunday afternoon football game or going to a football game. But I see anger, uh, resentment. Uh, disappointment, uh, those kind of things seem to be the biggest one when men don't get the physical adventure, that uh, outdoor adventure that God intends for us to have, I think. Well, you know, Henry David Thoreau, I think it was Henry David Thoreau said, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. desperation. Is that HDT? Is that Henry David Thoreau? I think it, it is. I think that's so, right. So if that's the case, if guys are hungry uh, let's use the word you used. You said men are starved for adventure. When I'm starved for something and I don't get it, I get hangry, uh-huh. right? Hungry, I get hangry. I get angry and hungry. Uh, yep. And I wonder if bitterness could be the end result when a man, when a man who craves adventure is living vicariously through others. So he's living vicariously through that football store, or through fantasy football, or he's living vicariously through. Uh, a book, or through uh, being jealous of another man who is living the adventurous life. Yep. I think you're right. I I see that as well. And we try to focus on four eyes of adventure. Kind of our code is that we want to infect men. I hate to say infect in this time of (laughs) virus, but we want to infect men with the passion for the outdoors. We want to uh, infuse the gospel into everything we do. We have to invest our time and money. And then lastly, we want to include men who are less fortunate, maybe can't afford the $650. We ask men, churches, uh, businesses, organizations to help us scholarship some of those guys who are less fortunate and help them get out of that rut and get into an adventure with other men. So those four eyes of infect, invest, infuse, and include, we feel like are important for any ministry. Well, you probably don't remember this, Jack, and I didn't take you up on this, but but 
I just met you at that conference and you instantly said, Hey, why don't you come on the quad ride with me, bring your son and we're, yep. we're just going to take care of the cost. So yep. you, I, I never even brought it up to you. You just instantly did that. So when you say our organization believes in this include, I just want to say publicly that, that I've experienced that. Uh, I, I appreciate that, and I, I believe that, and I think your organization has integrity, and I really do appreciate that. Hey, we're out at the end of our time here, but I want to ask one more question. Sure. So you quote one of my favorite authors. Uh, he's a little bit demented in his writing, and so if, if you like happy books, don't don't get this guy. But John Steinbeck is a great American author, and he wrote yeah. this, and you quoted him. You said, adventure pushes us to abandon the sweet trap of comfort and safety and embrace the uncomfortable and the unknown. That is such a powerful, powerful statement. So my question to you, Jack, as we conclude today is, what can you say to men to convince them to abandon the sweet trap of comfort and safety and to embrace the uncomfortable and the unknown? What can you do to convince these guys today to go and do that? Yes, first I would encourage them to just talk to their wife about it. Their wife will encourage them to get get involved in it. That is you know, true. Get out, of your com- get out of your comfort zone, honey, because she knows that they're going to benefit. She's going to benefit from it later. So, and uh, don't worry about the expense. Uh, you can raise the money. Uh, it, it's uh, we invest in things that we care about you know, and that we want to do. Uh, so the the funds will be there and the experiences be a lifetime uh, important experience, lifetime uh, value memories will be built. Well, you know, Jack, that's interesting because I hear guys say this all the time, oh, my wife won't let me or my wife or this. And I found just the opposite. When yeah. the, when a woman sees her man is mundane, when he's in a rut, when he's not his best version, she's the, she's the greatest beneficiary of him being his best version. And what I have seen, it's these wives. I know with my wife, she's like, get the hell out of the house. <laughs> go exactly. do something that's going to hurt you. I mean, go because yep. she wants that in me. And have sure. you found that to be true or are these wives a hindrance? Oh, I certainly have. Wives will encourage them. Even, <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, you're exactly right. Oh man. Hey Jack, I love your organization, man. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at www.ruggedfaith.net. That's it. And they can pick your book up there. Yep. Pick up the book at the website or Amazon or most any bookstores, uh, and uh, thank you for the opportunity, Jim. Oh, man, I'm so excited that you came on our show. Appreciate that. Look forward to seeing at our next great adventure together. Hey, guys, what's next for you? Let's get our boots on the ground, and let's do something about what you heard today. So here's my thought. I want you to sit down and plan a 2020 adventure challenge. Yes, this year, before the year comes to an end, I want you to prepare an adventure. You can consider our third annual Death Ruck. It's June 14th and 15th. We will go between 40 to 48 miles in the course of uh, 36 hours. Want to be involved in that? Or go to www.ruggedfaith.net. Check out this Jesus Trail experience that will happen next year. Check out their quad rides. They've got a lot going on. But plan an adventure so that you can come alive. I think Eldred says the question a guy needs to ask is, what makes me come alive? So what makes you come alive St. Irenaeus once said in 185 A.D., so this is a long-time problem, Jack, he said, the glory of God is man fully alive. And if Irenaeus was here today, he'd probably say, the glory of God is a man of adventure who found a way to come to life. And so, guys, we'll post that uh, boots on the ground on our weekly e-blast. It goes out to thousands of men around the country. Until the next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. 
Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Get adventurous. Grind it out. And be a man. Men in the Arena is a nonprofit, crowd-funded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version. We're able to freely offer this podcast, weekly equipping blasts, discussion forums, plus our small group resources to the three M's, active military, missionaries, and men in underdeveloped nations. This could only happen because of a large group of generous donors like you. You can find out more about how to support our ministry at meninthearena.org. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.